The following podcast with Greg Laurie is made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Become a Harvest Partner at Harvest.org. To find out how to know God personally, go to KnowGod.org, K-N-O-W, KnowGod.org. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie welcomes author Randy Alcorn for a discussion about life's big questions and dilemmas. There is a lot of suffering going on in this world, and we have a God who cares. He cries, He weeps for His people, and one day you'll be embraced by the Lord. You'll hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. And when that day comes, we all will know it was worth it. Some people seem to carry more than their share of the suffering. It often leaves us with questions, but answers, real answers, are hard to find. Today on A New Beginning, some fresh hope for those asking the big questions of life. Pastor Greg Laurie and author Randy Alcorn give us a peek behind the veil of eternity and show us some surprises. They show us how God cares for us now and has a tremendous plan for our eternity. A lady named Marianne asked me the question, my 19-year-old son died six months ago. He loved the Lord. I know where he is. That knowledge is the only way I survive every day. Any idea what he's doing right now? Well, we, we know we're going to worship God. We're going to eat and drink. And, and by the way, sometimes people say, well, that, that's really unspiritual to talk about stuff like that. Well, you yeah. know what? Scripture says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right. Can you eat and drink to the glory of God? Absolutely. That verse tells us we should be doing that right now. Yeah. And when we're sitting at a table eating and drinking with Jesus, you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you got Ruth, you got Esther, you got people uh, who you knew that influenced you that have gone on before you. You're going to sit at a table, and Christopher's going to be there, and your family's going to be there, everybody that knows Jesus. I think of my mom and my dad that have gone home to be with the Lord. My dad didn't come to Christ until he was 85 years old, and most resistant person the gospel I've ever known, and God changed his life a few years before he died. Through, by the way, suffering in his life, and that's how it happened. And so, you know, we'll be together, and we, we know that we will have physical bodies, Okay, what will you do with physical bodies? We'll eat and drink. And by the way, Jesus' resurrection is the prototype of ours. We're yes. told that we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is. Right. And we're told in Luke chapter 22 or Luke 24, read about it, in the resurrection, right. Jesus eats and drinks with his disciples. He prepares breakfast for them and he eats bread and fish with them. And that bread and fish doesn't drop through his body onto the ground <laughs> as though he were a ghost. Yeah. He says, no. I am not a ghost. He says, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as I have. Right. Well, you, you wonder about the resurrection body? We're told. Flesh and bones. Real sums. He says, touch me. Handle me. And 
we know then we will be able to do what you do with bodies. So people talk about, well, will, will there be sports? Uh, you know, will, will there be uh, building technology? All those kinds of things. Well, did Satan create all the things that we do with our bodies? No, God did. And God is going to be with us in a physical, in community. It says in Revelation 21 at the end, it says, the, the kings, here it is right here, it says, the kings of the nations of the earth will bring their treasures in to the new Jerusalem. Yes. And so what, what are those? Well, I think cultural treasures, they'll produce stuff. Art, science, all of this done to the glory of God. Drama, music, Culture. This speaks of culture. This is not speaking of the millennial kingdom. I believe in a millennial kingdom. Yeah. But, but the millennial kingdom was back in Revelation 20. Right. Revelation 21 starts with new heavens and new earth. Right. Now we're talking about kings of the nations of the earth. And you know, Scripture repeatedly, you know this, Greg, repeatedly says that we are going to reign with Christ. Right. And a lot of people say, well, reign? What does that mean? It means we're going to have responsibilities. And it says right here in Revelation 22... His servants will serve him and they will reign forever and ever. Servants have things to do, places to go, people to see. A servant isn't bored. A servant has lots to do. So heaven and earth, right now we coexist at the same time. There's a physical realm, there's a spiritual realm. Right now in heaven, here's a person, they they write, uh, her name is Becky. My husband passed away a few years ago and sometimes people will tell my children or me he's looking down on us from heaven. While it's encouraging to think he sees us, this seems contradictory to scripture. Could you shed light on this? Are people who have gone on before us, believers in the Lord, looking down on us right now or looking down at us at any time? What do people in heaven know about what is happening here on earth? A good passage to turn to for that is Revelation chapter 6, where you have the martyrs in heaven. They've died. They've gone home to be with the Lord. They're with Jesus in the present heaven. You look in uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Now, here's what they do. This is what life is like for them in the present heaven. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Well, first of all, clearly they remember their life on earth. And some people say, well, if we could remember anything of our life on earth and heaven, surely we couldn't remember the bad things. How much worse does it get than having been murdered? And they remember that they were murdered. But see, the key to heaven is not ignorance. It's perspective on their lives. So they remember that their their lives on earth, they remember the bad things actually that even happened to them, but now they see them through redemptive eyes. And they're also aware that God has not yet brought judgment upon their persecutors. They're not asking, Lord, have you brought judgment? They're saying, when will you bring judgment? So they know that he hasn't yet. How do they know that? Because they're seen at least to a degree, at least, they're aware of what's going on down on earth. And then they're told that they had to wait a little longer. Remember, they're saying, how long, O Lord? Wait a little longer. People say, well, is there time in heaven? Very clearly, there is here. And then he says, when the last martyr dies, that's basically when he's going to return. But you look at Luke chapter 15, where Jesus says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when a sinner repents. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. 
It could easily say the angels rejoice. It doesn't say that. I'm sure they do rejoice. But it's saying there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when a sinner on earth repents. So how do they know that the sinner on earth has repented? They, They have to know about it in order to rejoice. Who are those people in the presence of the angels? I think it's the people of God. It's the, it's the part of the body of Christ that's already gone home. They may be prayed for years for that person. They see that that person repented. There's rejoicing in the very presence of the angels where the people of God are when someone down on earth repents. So people in heaven are aware of what is happening on earth, as you've pointed out. Uh, one verse that's often quoted is, you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let's run the race with endurance that's set before us. And some would interpret that as saying, well, these are the people that have just gone before us and have sort of set the example, which is true, of course. Right. Hebrews 11 precedes yep. Hebrews 12, and that's the hall of faith of all the great heroes of the Bible. But certainly some form of viewing or watching from a heavenly perspective, you know, seeing it from that view. I think so. I, I think you could compare, and I do this in the Heaven Book, it's like uh, center court at Wimbledon. So you've got, uh, you've got this great tennis match that's going on, and then the people in the grandstands are watching it. Well, some of the people in the grandstands are people who they always kind of focus in on former champions and all of that. It's like people who have gone before who are now watching those who are participating. And I agree that in Hebrews 11, now you can't really prove the cloud of witnesses is, is, is exactly that they're all watching. But when you put it together with these other passages, it makes perfect sense. The focus of heaven is on the unfolding drama of redemption that is happening on planet Earth. Mm. And so Christ is uh, going to return, and does it make sense to think that the people up in heaven are kind of like, oh, they're just oblivious to what's going on down on earth, to which they're going to return with Christ, like it says in in Thessalonians and other passages, and they're going to return with him, and his plan for the redemption of planet earth will be culminated. Do they care? Are they interested in what's going on down on earth? From the perspective of heaven, I think the answer is yes. I think they're cheering us on. And I don't think, by the way, that we, we should ever, there's no biblical basis, in fact, it's contradicted scripturally, that we should ever pray to the saints. We do not pray to the saints. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. First Amen. Timothy tells us. But... It's maybe a different question of whether the saints are praying for us. Yeah. I mean, they're there they're, because even in, in this passage in Revelation 6, they're saying, how long before you bring judgment? Well, they're, they're almost praying for judgment yeah. to come down on these sinners. But meanwhile, if they're seeing the righteous people of God, are they upholding them in prayer? Well, prayer's talking to God. Will we talk to God less once we go to heaven than we do when we're here? I think we'll talk to him more. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. It's encouraging to hear when this broadcast has played a part in bringing healing and hope to someone in need. Dear A New Beginning, after my husband passed away suddenly five months ago, I was searching for God's voice in it all. I heard a radio message from Greg Laurie about Easter on my way to work. Easter, he said, was for those who may have recently lost a loved one and are dealing with the hurt. I was touched by the sincerity of his words, and I knew he meant it. It was a healing moment in my life, and I've been hooked on what he has to say ever since. Later, after checking out the blog and the website, 
I learned that he and his wife had recently lost their son, and it suddenly became clear to me why there was a connection. Thank you for the work you're doing. Wherever life has brought you, if a new beginning is playing a part in your spiritual growth, please let us know. Write a new beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. You've joined us for a fascinating discussion about heaven and those who've gone on before us. Pastor Greg is speaking today with author Randy Alcorn. Let's continue. All right, now, sometimes people wonder about relationships in heaven. Um, You know, for instance, my son was asking me earlier, you know, will you still be my dad in heaven? I think his concern is I'm going to boss him around for all eternity or something. (laughs) (laughs) Take out the trash. There's no trash in heaven. Well, we'll find something something to to take it out. (laughs) Clean up your room. No, but... um, Seriously, though, it, you know, relationships, fathers and, and wives and mothers and daughters, and, and then, of course, marriage. Uh, most people say, well, we won't be married in heaven because Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. They're like the angels of God in heaven. But actually, don't you think it's true that we will be married in heaven? Right. I think it is true we'll be married in heaven. But listen to the whole explanation. The Bible doesn't teach there will be no marriage in heaven. It teaches there will be one marriage in heaven. Christ married to his bride. That's it. Look at Ephesians 5. The whole purpose of earthly marriage is to shed light on and draw attention and praise to the beauty of God's relationship to his people. What that means is that my very best friend who's here with me today, Nancy, She and I will be part of the same marriage for all eternity because we're both part of the bride of Christ. The bridegroom, the one to whom we will be looking primarily, the source of all joy and blessing, is Jesus Christ himself. So Nancy and I, while not being married to each other in the way that we are now, will be part of the same wonderful, beautiful, sanctified, perfect marriage to the only perfect spouse in the history of the universe, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Here's a good quote, Randy. Earthly marriage is a shadow, an echo of the true and ultimate marriage. The purpose of marriage is not to replace heaven, but to prepare us for it. You agree with that? I do. Absolutely. You wrote it. Well, it's from your book. I thought it sounded familiar, but I... That would have been great if you said, that's wrong. That is stupid. Who's the idiot who wrote that? And uh, another quote from your book, God's plan doesn't stop in heaven and the new earth that continues. God doesn't abandon his purposes. He fulfills them. Friendships and relationships begun on earth will continue in heaven richer than ever. Okay, just some, now maybe because we're running out of time, some quick answers because we do hear this. Will our pets be in heaven? Now, let's just establish one thing. No cats in heaven, in my opinion. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but no, really, though, you know, we might, some might laugh that of all pets in heaven. People get very attached to their pets. Yeah, yeah. And what, is there a possibility your pet could be in heaven? Well, you know, I've got two chapters uh, in the, the Big Heaven book, uh, one on uh, animals And it relates to Romans 8, Isaiah 60, a passage that refers to a number of animals uh, and definitely refers to the new earth because it's cited twice, Isaiah 60 in Revelation 21 and 22, an application of the new earth. 
that it's part of God's whole creation. So because the whole creation groans with a longing for deliverance, and it's not just human beings, it emphasizes the whole creation right. is currently suffering. Well, who else besides human beings suffers? Animals. And they're and the whole creation's looking forward to a deliverance. It sounds like some beings be, besides humans who are now suffering will experience the relief of that suffering and will be part of life on a new earth. And again, that conforms to uh, Isaiah 60 uh, and Ezekiel 47 and a few other Old Testament passages as well. Then the question becomes, could some of those animals uh, that God restores as part of a new creation, could they be... Pat, well, my question would be, why not? If there's yeah. going to be some animals, why not animals that God entrusted to the stewardship and care of his people? And by the way, if you want to read a fascinating passage on this sometime, I reread it the other day. Genesis chapter 9, where God makes his covenant with Noah, he repeatedly, I believe it's six or seven times, says, I make this covenant with you and with all the living creatures that walk the ground and swim in the seas. You go, why does he repeatedly keep saying that he's making a covenant with animals? Well, because he views animals as the second most important entities on this planet. Human beings are first, animals are second. And for whatever reason... He actually has a plan for them, and I think that's another passage that would indicate God has a future purpose for animals. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that we'll rule over certain things in the new earth, and probably because I've mocked cats so many times, I'll rule over a lot of cats. Or yeah, something. I think if there, if there were a purgatory, it might be you with the cats. You know, I'm not sure, but no. Someone listening to this right now is hurting. That yeah. They, they're, they're living with a disability. Uh, someone close to them died recently. They found out they're terminally ill. It seems like the walls are closing in, the, in on them. And they believe in the Bible. They believe in Jesus Christ. But right now, they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. They, they see in, an insurmountable obstacle. They see something that they don't think they can survive. What would you say to that person right now? I would really say, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is now seated at the right hand of God. And that, in Hebrews 12 that I was just quoting from, is preceded by the stories of great saints of God in Hebrews 11, but something they all had in common was how much they suffered. And there is a lot of suffering going on in this world. And we have a God who cares. It's not the God of what's called deism, who was the watchmaker who started it all and then departed and doesn't really care what's going on. It's a God who looked down. He cries. He weeps for his people. We're told that in Exodus, how he wept for his people. Jesus weeping over the people of Jerusalem. And it's a God who came down to become one of us in the person of Jesus Christ, who loved us so much that he extended out his arms, his hands bear the mark of the greatest evil and suffering that has ever happened in human history. We call that day Good Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday? Why don't we call it Bad Friday, Horrible Friday? Because... God brought great good out of the worst thing that ever happened. And he can do that for you too. And one day, you'll be embraced by the Lord. You'll hear him say, 
if, if you've been faithful to follow him and by his grace at work in your life, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. And when that day comes, we all will know it was worth it. God, you accomplished things that I didn't even know about, and I look forward now to finding out, now that I'm with you, and I'm sure that God's going to explain a lot of things to us that we don't understand now. But God, thank you that you were faithful to me, even in the dark times, and the joy I will experience of your unfolding riches of grace for all eternity I know it will prove worth it. Think those thoughts. There was a beginning that was perfect. There is an end without end that will go on forever that will be perfect. We live in the difficult middle. Put it in perspective by the past and the future that is built on the finished work of Christ. Heaven's going to be a wonderful thing. We don't know how far away it is for each of us individually. The Lord, of course, could come back and call us to meet Him in the rapture of the church. But then again... There's some of us hearing this right now that have not really thought this through, but we could be in eternity before this day is over with. Our life could end. How can I know with absolute certainty that when I die, I will go to heaven? The book of 1 John, first of all, Greg, I'm surprised you don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I thought as an evangelist, it was time I learned. <laughs> It would certainly enhance your ministry if you did. Um, but uh, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, if you look at verse 13, uh, the apostle says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Wow. You can know. You should know. But here's the thing. The way you know that you have eternal life is through a trust not in yourself, but a trust in Christ. We are told that Jesus Christ took upon himself. He literally, 2 Corinthians 5 says, he became sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. The only people who will enter heaven are perfect people. We're all imperfect. That means we're all destined for hell until unless Jesus Christ gets hold of our lives. We stand before the Lord trusting in Him and His righteousness, not in ours. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Ephesians 2 by grace you've been saved through faith. That honor of yourselves is the gift of God, not by works lest anyone should boast. It is through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ alone that we have right standing before God. If we trust in Him and what He has done for us, bow our knees to Him, acknowledge Him as our Savior, on that basis alone can we enter the presence of God, but then with that trust, there's no uncertainty, we will be with Him forever. Amen. That's right. And in closing today, there might be some of you that don't have that certainty. You know, you've come here today with a lot of questions and you wonder what would happen to you after you die, even though you've gone to church and you've read the Bible. And you're not sure if you really are ready for heaven. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. 
So what do you need to do to go to heaven? You need to admit you're a sinner. I'll make excuses for it. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have broken God's commandments. We've fallen short of His standards. Then you must realize that Jesus and Jesus alone met the righteous requirements of God the Father when He died in our place. No one was qualified to bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity apart from Jesus because Jesus was fully God and fully man. And He died there for us. As Randy mentioned, those nails in His hands and His feet. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Realize Christ died for you. Repent of your sin. You have to turn from your sin. Be sorry for it. And then receive Christ into your life. And Jesus who lived, who died, who rose, is alive here with us right now, standing at the door of your life and He is knocking. And He is saying, if you'll hear His voice and open the door, He'll come in. So in a moment we're going to pray. And I'm going to extend an invitation for you to receive Christ into your life as Savior and Lord. So you can know with certainty that you're going to this place that Randy and I have been talking about today, this glorious place of heaven, and then the day when heaven comes to earth and Christ rules and reigns for all eternity. So let's pray. Father, I pray now for any here that do not yet know you. Help them, Lord, to see their need for you. Help them to come to you now and receive your forgiveness, we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie pointing out the need to come to Christ to have our sins forgiven. And if you'd like to make things right between you and the Lord today, Pastor Greg will help you do that in just a moment. But if you'd like an extended-length CD of this discussion between Pastor Greg and author Randy Alcorn, get in touch and mention the title, Big Life Issues. It's fascinating information, and the more you listen to this interaction, the more you'll learn and remember. We'll be glad to send the CD your way for just $6. Just give us a call at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. And you can order online, if you'd like, at harvest.org. Now, you may be aware that Randy is the author of an outstanding book on heaven— His original book is over 500 pages, sort of a textbook on the subject. And we have available the abridged version called Heaven, God's Answers for Your Every Need. And get this, we can make it available for free. It's straightforward biblical truth about what's waiting for us in eternity. You know, many of us have adopted some ideas about heaven from the movies we've seen, TV shows, books we've read, sometimes without even realizing it. And that's why this book is so important and eye-opening. He'll show you what God wants us to know about our lives beyond the grave. We'll send you Heaven, God's Answers for Your Every Need, free of any charge or obligation. We do have a limited number of copies available, so we're limiting this free offer to one per household. And if you'd like a friend to have one, just have your friend give us a call and we'll send one their way. But do so quickly. Supplies are limited and they'll soon be gone. Just get in touch and ask for Heaven, God's Answers for Your Every Need. Our phone number is 1-800-821-3300, and we'd urge you to call before our supplies run out. That's 1-800-821-3300. And here's our mailing address, although we can't guarantee we'll have books in stock when your letter arrives. It's A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. 
Now, this free book offer isn't available online, but you'll find many other spiritual growth resources available at harvest.org. And when you contact us, remember that we're a listener-supported ministry. The only way we can be here each day with these studies is because of the generosity of listeners like you. And then uh, Pastor Greg would like to pray with you now if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord today. Pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again from the dead. Now fill me with your spirit and write my name in your book of life and help me to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you that my sin is forgiven and that I am now going to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, Jesus Christ has come into your life. We have something we want to send you in the mail right now. It's called the New Believers Growth Packet. So why don't you write us, and we would be happy to send it to you. And God bless you as you begin to now walk with Jesus Christ. And let me give you our mailing address so you can get that New Believers Growth Packet. Just write a New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. And you'll find us online at harvest.org. Next time, we'll return to Pastor Greg's series, Essentials, What Every Christian Needs to Know. We'll see the Spirit's involvement in our lives can help us bring forth spiritual fruit. It's a natural process. Or better said, a supernatural process. Learn more next time. The preceding podcast with Greg Laurie was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Become a Harvest Partner at Harvest.org. There you can arrange to receive Pastor Greg's free daily email devotions. That's Harvest.org.